Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. You know, I continue to do this podcast in awe and wonder. And most of you know right now from reading my content thus far, being at the beginning Q1 of 2022, it's all about intention for me. I love an intellectual stimulating conversation. And when I came across this gentleman's work, I had to find him and I did. So let me introduce you to Ron Price. And I was going to read his bio and we were chatting and he told me that as of the end of 2021, he is no longer the CEO of Price and Associates because he's venturing into something new. So Ron, this is a first for me. I'm going to welcome you to the show and I'm going to let you tell the listeners what your new bio is. And I'm excited to hear this. Well, thank you, Deb. And first of all, thank you for inviting me. I'm immediately in love with what you do. And I applaud you for the way that you express yourself and give this as an opportunity to help other people be more intentional in the way that they live their lives. There's a lot of story because I'm old, but I started my work with Price Associates in 2004, and we started as an executive coaching company. We eventually grew into a global leadership advisory firm that focuses on everything to do with helping grow great leaders and innovation and strategy. And we've had a great, great time with that. As of December 31st, I retired from the company that bears my name. And so you can imagine that it's been a pretty emotional time. And I retired from it and turned it over to one of our colleagues because I was asked to take over as the president of an assessment company based out of Scottsdale, Arizona called TTI Success Insights. They provide assessments that help people develop deeper self-awareness to help them understand other people better and as a consequence to do better work in the world. I've been associated with this company as a customer now for 24 years. I've really enjoyed the people there. And last spring, they started asking me if I would consider helping to take the company into its next chapter. It's a very difficult decision for my wife and I to make, but we were convinced it was the right decision for us. I'm somebody who thinks and prays, and I was convinced that this is what I was supposed to do, even though it wasn't part of my plan. So I'm no longer an employee of Price Associates. I joked that this is the first time I've had to fill out new employee paperwork since 1989. And here I am today on a new adventure and excited about what I left and the good hands that it's been left in and where I have an opportunity to serve going forward. Well, 
you know, I, I'm looking at you and, and people are only going to be listening to you, but I can see the emotion in your face. I can feel it from your heart and I definitely can hear the angst of, of that decision, but your legacy will live on through that company and it's okay to pivot and it's fun to pivot. I love change. It's, it's kind of yucky at the beginning, but once you get into it and you've been working with them for almost 25 years, so you have that familiarity that's there. But the fun part is when you said you're old, I think we're seasoned and experienced. That's the words I like to use. I think it depends on the day that you ask me. <laughs> It's like gray hair. I like to refer to that as wisdom highlights, Ron. Yes. Well, I've got plenty of that. <laughs> now, I'd love to ask you four leadership questions. And my first one is related to your book, The Complete Leader. And we could have a whole show just on that. And I know there's an inventory or a skill set. Let's just have some fun with this because you're in a new role now. Which skill set would you pull out for yourself? Beginning of a new year, Q1, new role. Which of the skills are you going to lean into from the Complete Leader Skill Library and why? Yeah, well, there are 25 skills that break down into four categories. Leaders as clear thinkers, leaders leading themselves, leaders leading others, and leaders being authentic. There's no question in my mind that leaders being authentic is the most important. Having said that, the skill that I'm really sharpening right now and taking time to reflect on is interpersonal skills. Because in a new role, I realize that it's about the relationships that you build. It's not about how smart you are. I'm not that smart, really. It's not about how hard you work. I have had a lifelong tendency to work too hard. It's about what kind of relationships you build. So I'm focused on interpersonal skills and what it means to develop that as a true skill, something that you practice, that you measure, that you remain focused on so that you keep getting better and better. Well, and I love that. And my heart-centered leadership model, my definition of heart-centered leadership is honoring your connection with people which is really the time and space you're describing right now in your new role. And I think it's an exciting time because you learn the most from observing and listening and being silent. You make me want to be silent because you're absolutely true. <laughs> you know, I've challenged many C-suite leaders in boardrooms, whether they're, you know, working this hybrid workflow or they're back distanced, I've had them turn off their camera or close their eyes and just listen to what is being said. Because we truly can tap into the emotion when we close our eyes to really hear what's going on. It's powerful. It's exciting. So I'm going to have to keep in touch with you to see how you're doing with this. Now, my second question has permanent residency on the podcast. And like I said, we're in our second season now where we've reached 45 countries. And it shows me that heart-centered leadership is such a universal language. But the question that I've asked all of our guests, and we've had over 150 to date, share with us what imperfections Ron brings to his heart-centered leadership. Well, first of all, I think being comfortable with imperfection is one of the keys to being a very effective leader. Early in my career, 
I was what I would refer to as a desperational leader. I was trying to keep from getting caught. Today, we call it imposter syndrome. But I was always looking at the things that I was imperfect in, that I was weak in, and saying, how do I keep myself from failing because of these? There was somewhere in my middle years that I began to realize that's way too much work. You're really not giving other people the opportunity to be a part of your journey when you think you're supposed to fill in all the gaps. So having said that and having climbed the ladder of success only to find that it was leaning against the wrong wall earlier in my career. By the way, I borrowed that from Stephen Covey, who I'm sure borrowed it from somebody else. My imperfection is that I don't always hold on to organizing all the details. I'm very much a people person. I love being with people, listening, learning. But then when it comes time to sit down at my desk and organize all the details, that's something that doesn't come easy for me. Not because I don't know how, but because I don't have the same energy for it. And I have to really resist the temptation to go do something else because it doesn't seem like much fun to me. So I've learned to ask for help there. And that's a really great example. And I'm, I'm so happy that you shared it with us. That, that discipline and structure, it's hard for a lot of people. And, and it comes with having that, our own discipline and structure in our behavior to, to push us to do things, whether we're an entrepreneur, a solo entrepreneur, an executive. And it's funny because when we do those procrastination tasks, a lot of times when we get through them, Ron, it's like, why didn't I do that a couple of weeks ago? It took me 15 minutes, right? So that's been a popular answer on the show. So I can tell you for sure that you, you're in good company. <laughs> Thank you. You are not, you are not alone. Now, I know you wrote a blog about how leaders can inspire commitment with their teams. And I like to say, instead of declaring unprecedented times, I like to say that we're on the VUCA 2.0 roller coaster, you know, looking at things with vision and understanding and clarity and bringing that emotional agility, that space you're in right now. What advice would you give or yourself right now with a new team, how can you inspire commitment as we continue to pivot through hybrid and, and, and unprecedented times, really? I think the first thing that I think of as being important is giving uh, undivided attention or presence. There's a great temptation, whether we're doing something virtually or we're sitting in a meeting room, for us to get distracted. We've got so many different screens that we're dealing with. A lot of times we think that the key to efficiency is responding to things quickly. Most of us have our phones face up when we're in a meeting, whether virtual or in person. And I don't think that we recognize how depleting that is for the people who are meeting with us. And for us to think that we can do that without being noticed is really extreme naivety. <laughs> Everything is noticed. I think one of the things that's been most interesting to me is how easy it is for people in an organization to see and understand their leader, even when their leader doesn't recognize that they're, they're being observed for who they are. So presence is by far the most important thing. And of course, along with that is great listening skills and listening not to fix or 
to manipulate or even to influence, but being able to listen to understand and the development of empathy, which I think is the ability to understand another person's experience from their point of view, not from your opinion or your point of view. And then I would say the third thing that has been important to me, Deb, and I think it's the most frustrating yet and yet the most exciting thing about working with other people is that to reach that place of magic that you really hunger for in relationships and in your work, you've got to find out how to dance between what the organization needs to get done and what drives the individual, what's important to the individual. And it's a negotiation. It's a constant learning. It's dynamic. You don't get it figured out once and then it's done forever. It's a part of life. And so you have to continually engage in finding out how you build this this rhythm between what the organization needs and what the individual needs. And as I said, for me, it can be one of the most frustrating, but also one of the most exciting things. Because I, I don't know, there's something in me that makes me think that I can get it figured out. There's no destination in this. It's all journey. So you never completely get it figured out. When you finally relax and understand that, life has a lot of joy. You just dropped so many nuggets there. I, I want to do a little bit of a recap. The, the presence is so key because when you are present and other people pick up on your presence, you are fully self-aware of energy management, you know that you're there. You're fully there to listen. And, and not for what I always say within heart-centered leadership, yes, there's always a fiduciary component, but you're listening not for a transaction, not for uh, reciprocity. You're just presently listening. And it's so difficult for so many people because they think and feel that as soon as that person gets that last syllable off their lips, that they got to be there with the solution, the answer, the resolution, the negotiation, the sale. They don't. I always say there's that power in that pause. I think we've talked about it many times on the show. One of my favorite people that I love to watch to speak is Barack Obama. And whenever someone speaks to him, I always noticed he does like this five, seven second pause and he takes a deep breath. And I know that because I'm a yoga teacher. So I can always tell when people are subtly doing it. And then he responds without having to. He's present. He's He's kind of digesting what, what has been asked of him before he comes back with a response. And I always say to people, watch people in interviews and, and who inspires you and who do you aspire to be? And it's again, it's exactly where you are in your role right now, Ron. So it's very exciting that you get to do this and practice this. And it'll be interesting to see how you juggle this to come back to your desk for the, the discipline and the structure because energy management right now is, is the key to our vitality and quite frankly, our mental health. Yeah, and I think one of the things that brings me a great joy that I celebrate a lot is when I'm working with a team and they've become comfortable with those pauses. So often everybody's fighting for airspace. My son and I, my oldest son and I were uh, backpacking in Southwest China back in 2001. 
and it was a two-day hike. And we got about halfway through the first day, and we probably went 90 minutes or two hours without either one of us saying a word. And I marveled that evening at what a joy it was, the comfort of just being together without any sense of obligation that you had to manage what was going on. You could just embrace it. You could just experience it. And when leadership teams or really any team can reach that place, and you don't start there. This is a learned practice for most of us. But when you reach that place, it's amazing the wells of wisdom and insight that begin to open up. We go much deeper. As you said, it's not transactional anymore. There's something intrinsic and lasting about a kind of relationship that comes to that level of maturity where you can just be together. Absolutely. And, and you know, when we lead without the obligation and always with intrinsic motivation and intrinsic habit of thinking, people are first. And that's been the beauty of this pandemic. It's always been there, but now it's pushed to the forefront or it's it's rose to the top, if you will. And I'm loving it because it takes me back to our conversation before we hit record of what I experienced 30 years ago. You know, kindness doesn't come with initials after your name. It doesn't come with title. It doesn't come with stature. It doesn't come within a job description. It's organic. It's innate. It's, it's in our being. And not everyone has experienced that. So there's many what we call accidental leaders, and it's very hard for them. So it'll be an interesting space for you in your new role to, to have that playing out and, and witnessing it in, in observation and silence. Yeah. When the pandemic first took hold, I had co-authored a book with Stacey Annis back in 2018 called Growing Influence, a story of how to lead with character, expertise, and impact. And in this book, there are nine different leadership principles that we work out, but we do it in the context of a business fable. The first of them is that we each have the opportunity and the freedom to build our own circle of control, to build our own choice in how we respond. And when the pandemic first hit and there were all the questions about what does it mean for our business? What does it mean for our clients? What does it mean for our family? I realized quickly that I needed to go deeper in my own circle of control first before I would be ready to serve other people effectively. So I committed to, in this case, it's easy because our children are grown up and it's just my wife and I, so we have a fairly quiet lifestyle at home. But I committed to spending at least two hours a day, which I realized for most people is not possible. But I would spend that time reading wisdom literature and thinking about who I wanted to become in the future, not in terms of title, but the kind of person I wanted to become. And really thinking through and developing my definition of character. What are the values by which I want to govern myself going forward? And what are the values by which I want to relate to other people going forward? And you spend two hours on this every day, you get past the superficial part. You begin to get to a deeper level of what you want in life. And I, I, feel, I feel in a certain sense happy that a lot of the people that you worked with that led you into this kind of work had an awakening before it was too late to recognize the importance of being a human being, not a human doing. But I don't want to get to 
the last few days and all of a sudden realized that I think if we can understand that deeper levels during the journey, it actually helps us to be more successful in all the other things that we're trying to do. It all begins with who we're being. And then that helps us to be stronger and wiser and more consistent in what we do with our life. Absolutely. And it's one of the reasons I chose to become a yoga teacher five years ago. And what that two hours was for you was almost like a a mindfulness session or your version of meditation. It's very powerful. And I I think now in speaking to you and, and listening to you and hearing about your new role, this is your legacy work, Ron. Yeah, it's interesting, Deb, because it seems like I can go all the way back to nine years old and think of the wonderful opportunities that I've had to do things that gave me a chance to be authentic. And um, when I was nine, I fell in love with theater, and that eventually led me to becoming a director and a playwright. And I just loved the interaction that you had with people through that. And then that eventually led to a series of opportunities in business And by the way, my two hours does include meditation as well. It's just amazing looking back on it. It's something that I realize I can't claim any credit for. I've been so blessed. I've been so fortunate that everything I've done over these years has given me an opportunity to develop myself at the same time. I think the places where that wouldn't happen, I probably couldn't have stayed or survived because... I recognize that being authentic is sacred for us and we can't give it up for somebody else's goals or somebody else's things that they need for us to accomplish for them. You're at the next pit stop in your journey and it's, it's really lovely. It's, uh, it's lovely to hear and, and I can, I can see it on your face and hear it in your words. And, and I think your, your heart sets ready for this legacy work and everything you've done in your life has led you to this crossroads and your company will live on with your name and that legacy. So it's very exciting. I'm going to, I'm going to switch gears and we end the show with what I call the fab four. And these are just four fun questions. I'm going to ask them to you and whatever's sitting on the top of that brilliant mind of yours, you let us know. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. First question. Tell us something that we don't know about Ron. I have 11 grandchildren. The 11th one is uh, going to be born in March. And it's amazing the kind of relationship that you build with grandchildren. It's so different than being a parent. And it's such a wonderful part of my life right now. Well, I will share something with you that nobody knows on the show. I'm going to be a grandma for the first time in July this year. Oh, wonderful. So I I look forward to that. But congratulations, 11. That's amazing. Okay, second word is, do you have a word for 2022? And if you do, would you share it with us and tell us why you chose it? I never, ever did this until 2021. And in 2021... It was as if it came to me that my focus should be collaboration. And for 2022, it became very clear that it should be connecting. But it's really a phrase for me in 2022. It's connecting more deeply is what my primary focus will be in 2022. You know, it's interesting. You went from a word to a phrase 
And I've done this for many, many years because I had a wonderful mentor back in my 20s that used to say, pick a word. And here we are 34 years later in business. And like I shared with you, mine is intentional, but I don't just want it to be a word. I want my behavior to be aligned with that. And I think that's what you're also doing in this new role. And it goes back to those periods that you spent doing that wisdom insight and reading and quieting your mind. And, you know, one of my favorite sayings is the word equanimity, the clarity that you get through that mental calmness and composure. There's nothing better than that. So that's amazing. And we're connecting. So there you go. Yes. (laughs) My third question is, Who is a leader that you've met or you'd like to meet? And they can be living or they could be passed away. And if you got an opportunity to have dinner with them, who would it be and why? Oh, my goodness. There are so many that this is the most difficult part of answering this question. I will immediately think of a better choice. But I will tell you that one of the people who's influenced me significantly is Peter Drucker. And I did get a chance to see him. He never met me, but I met him as an audience member. And um, I just felt like he was so far ahead of his time. And he was so grounded in the way he thought about things that he would be one of, gosh, I would have a large party if I could invite all of the leaders that have impressed me and who I admire and who I've learned from including not diminished at all Frances Hesselbein, who ran the Girl Girl Scouts of the USA for a number of years. And in her time and in her way, she was quite disruptive in her view of leadership. And it really saved that organization and caused it to thrive. It's one of those questions where there's so many and it's who do you pick? I feel the same way. I'm so delighted that I reached out to you and you had time to be on the show. I end the show with having you finish a sentence for me, but I want you to know that all of my guests I keep in touch with. So I I look forward to chatting with you in the future and hearing about your new role and and how this legacy work will, will unfold for you and all the mindfulness that you're going to bring to it. So thank you for your time and your expertise in leadership and for sharing a little bit of your heart with me today. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. I'm going to ask you to finish this sentence to close the show out. Heart-centered leadership is? Knowing yourself. Loving yourself. Knowing others. Loving them. And in the process, changing the world as only you can. You've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.